This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver. It's time for the third and final installment of our summer entertainment guide, because this could be a summer to remember. And for this one, me and producers Paul Caroli and Olivia Jewell-Love and our newsletter editor Peyton Garcia are tackling a tricky topic, Colorado's many tourist attractions. Some of them are worth it and awesome, and some of them are not, but we're here to help. Today is Thursday, June 22nd. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Hi, Paul. Hey, good morning, Bree. Hi, Olivia. Hey, Bree. Hi, Peyton. Hello. So we're talking about tourist traps and tourist treats. So things uh, in and around Denver and uh, not too far of a drive outside of Denver, maybe a little bit in the mountains. And the things that we think are worth it and the things that we think are just not worth the money, overhyped. So yeah, Olivia, let's start with you. What, what was your tourist trap or the thing you just weren't that keen on? Okay, well, to start, I really enjoy the natural feature of Royal Gorge. <laughs> However, I think that it has just become, there is so much stuff that is just so extra, in my opinion. There's like plays and like shows and a million gift shops and bands and just I just want to go stand on the bridge and look at the freaking gorge (laughs) I mean so you feel like the natural wonder of it is being sort of uh, oversaturated by the commercialism extras I mean there it's a theme park I mean when I Mm. went I went when I first moved here like two years ago and there was seriously a show of exotic animals while I was there. And <laughs> it was just so weird. And so I think if I were going to do it again, I, w- I want to go on the train. Like, I've outed my... Is that the narrow gauge rail? <sighs> I don't is that know. The one that, is that the one that goes up or it's into like the gorge? It's like in the gorge, yeah. And I've definitely yeah, outed myself. That sounded cool. Big train girl. Like, shout out to Georgetown. <laughs> Love the train. Like, that would be my number one if we hadn't already, like, hyped up the train so much. But I think, yeah, I feel like there's too much stuff going on. I just, I don't think it needs it. I think it's just cool. I think that's really valid. That's, <laughs> that's a good, that's a good one. I went to the Gorge, I don't know, a few years ago. Not a few years ago. I don't know. I was like 14, maybe. <laughs> that was more than a few years ago. That was like 15 years ago. But, um, I enjoyed it. There is a lot mm. going on up there. Pan for gold. I don't know. There just feels like you can pan for gold. You can do everything. You can do that a lot of they places. Really I know that's why they've done that at yeah. everything. It's like Colorado, pan for gold here. And it's like, all right, just 
chill. So if you want to just go to the Royal Gorge, is it a national park? Is it something that you can just go to or do you have to pay? So you have to have like a general admission ticket if you want to go on the the bridge. Okay. And so you have to pay $32. Oh, wow. If you buy it on the internet. I don't know how much it costs in person, but if you buy it on the internet, an adult has to pay $32 to be able to go on the bridge. (laughs) And then your child who's um, three to 11 has to pay $27. And then your two and under kid is free. But, and if you want to do more, you know, if you want to do the zip line, it's $48. If you want to do the sky coaster, it's $38. Wow. So those are at, those are add-ons. Yeah. Like there's a million things. This does sound a little bit overdone. It's just ridiculous. I just the... want to go look at this super cool gorge. I don't know. <laughs> okay. So, Royal Gorge, this is our first tourist trap. Uh, Paul, what is your tourist trap? Um, well, mine's actually not too far from Olivia's. It's uh, also outside of Colorado Springs. It's about an hour away. It's the Manitou Cliff Dwellings. Huh. So, if you have not heard of this site, the website promises that you can, quote, discover history and explore the past. Um, it promises ancestral Puebloan cliff dwellings from a thousand years ago. Um, oh. And it's quite popular. Like 100,000 people go, go to this place every year. Um, but what the website doesn't say and what is kind of obscured by the actual experience is that this is not a place where ancestral Puebloan people built cliff dwellings. This is a place where uh, a lady named Virginia McClurg, who uh, actually was a really like important preservationist a hundred years ago and involved with the creation of the Mesa Verde National Park. She took some ruined cliff dwellings from what's now southwestern Colorado, and she trucked them across the mountains and reconstructed cliff dwellings outside of Colorado Springs. So you can go there and school children, busloads of them go every day and see what she says are ancestral Puebloan cliff dwellings, but are in fact a total fake and farce. They're connected by cement and like you can climb all over them and it's really weird. Do they advertise that anywhere at the place. I think that they will tell you what the real history of the place is, but they will not say, for example, what uh, Raven Payment, past CityCast Denver guest, who, you know, people might know as like a big advocate for the indigenous community here. She went recently and she had this super fiery tweet thread <gasps> where she was saying stuff like, every effort to stereotype natives as primitive, dirty, and diseased was taken. Uh, She says, sadly, it's not just tourists that come here. Local schools also bus in their students for educational field trips. This continues to perpetuate the myth that Mm. we were primitive savages of the past, not a robust and sophisticated living culture. So I I think it's just one of those places where it's like, it's been a tourist trap for a hundred years and it's very problematic to the modern eye. But honestly, part of me is like, the the historical nature of this tourist trap it's been this messed up for so long there's a tiny bit of intrigue for me there too just to go and see the but, spectacle of this but paul what the reaction i'm having to what you just explained is how i felt i feel differently about everything now that we went through that uh denver museum of nature and science absolutely uh tour of the uh, indigenous cultures area that they've closed and it it strikes me the same way it struck me when we learned that that diorama of the Seminole family it was in a Denver museum because the white people that collected stuff were obsessed with them and it mm-hmm. kind of feels that way where it's like 
this is all not only not cool, this is really bad. This one, this one is so interesting to me because it seems like people might not know that. People might go to this and, not, so. and not know. And, I and would have never known that. This isn't just a, a trap. This is a sham. <laughs> this is a tourist <laughs> sham. I'm like, it feels pretty crazy. dirty. I feel like, yeah. do people go and protest out in front of it? I feel like I could see people with signs <laughs> standing in front of it. Like, don't believe them. Look at the cement between the rocks. Like, it's not a thousand years old. Yeah. Open your eyes, sheeple. <laughs> you know, this is how I felt when I went. I was traveling in Ecuador, sidebar, and mm-hmm. we went and saw the equator. I was so excited. I took a picture standing on the equator line, and it's real cool. And then my tour guide was like, okay, well, now that you guys have all seen that, if you look over there, that's the actual equator you know it's something like it's something like 20 miles off forget what he said it it was more convenient to have the line like in a certain spot so you're not even on the actual equator so all those photos people take straddling the equator is not true you're not even anywhere close to the equator i was so angry and it had something to do with like white people coming and wanting uh, wanting I'll, I'll have to look it up yeah. i wrote it down they were like we actually need the area yes. where the equator is excuse me we want to build a mcdonald's excuse so, me um starbucks drive through <laughs> i mean i'm learning something new every day i love when i learn something from this from our very own show uh yeah, well Peyton, beyond the equator issues you have what in colorado is your uh choice for a tourist trap so this was hard for me um i really put probably more thought than was necessary into this and i want to say my tourist trap was almost Boulder, Colorado, because <laughs> the, you, are you talking about the the home of Willie? Your yes, husband? my husband and my <laughs> in laws, and I just I have a lot of thoughts about Boulder, Colorado, and it's so overpopular and so overhyped. So, anyways, I changed it to something a little more local. Um, I changed it to the Denver Aquarium hmm. because Spicy. I started I started looking at like lists like if you google like ah oh, top denver tourist attractions the denver aquarium makes the cut and i don't think it should so i started digging into it um it's way too expensive it's 2750 for adults 2099 for kids 3 to 11 um and that's not even to add on all the special experiences like the 4D theater or any of the rides um and it's just i don't know it's weird it feels kind of like a gross dirty cash grab to me like they're just like inundating you with stuff like there's a there's a tiger there which has never made any sense to me and that poor tiger seems so sad locked in this indoor room that's all I don't, it's it's just horrible i don't like that you can have dinner there i had dinner there once they served me fish oh i was gonna say is this this place that has fresh yeah. seafood it's yeah it's where oh, we drove so by the other day horrible. there was something weird about eating fish in front of other fish oh, no. um, they're just kind of odd like there's just too much going on there it's like a little too gimmicky without any real it feels value. like a tour it's it just feels like a it's a cash grab. It's yeah, a it's like they try it's and not... promote themselves as this like really cool thing, but then you end up going and I feel like you're going to go and you're going to leave and be like, mm, that felt like a waste of money. I have to be honest with you. I haven't been there since uh, 1999 when it opened and it was like, I, I may be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure it was more geared towards science. And then it was yeah. purchased by a company yes. that's like a restaurant. 100%. So I think that's the, the whole. I think yeah. that maybe at one point it was cool, but now I think it's completely evident that they're they're less focused on the actual like 
like the aquatic animals and they're more focused on like selling special dinners and doing all of this weird other stuff that just takes your money personally it's just if i had a friend here and they were like hey should i check out the denver aquarium i would be like no your money is going to be spent better spent somewhere else in denver and i have somewhere that you could spend less money than that for a way better experience so (laughs) i look forward to hearing plus they just seem like they're up to fishy stuff you listen to our podcast from i think whatever, last summer, maybe? Yes. I was just going to say, we will share a link in the show notes to our conversation with uh, Westward uh, writer Katie Cheshire did a sort of deep dive investigation talking to some folks behind the scenes there at what she learned about the aquarium. So I don't, I don't think you're wrong there, Payton. No. No. Spend, go go, spend that same ticket price to go to Meow Wolf or Eliches or Lakeside or something else. What about you, Bree? Uh, this one breaks my heart. I really didn't want to have to do this. But it's going to be controversial in my community of myself and whoever else cares about this. Uh, I can't wait. What do you got? Waterworld. Ah, that was almost my trap. That was almost my trap. And you know why it wasn't my trap? Because I was like, not enough people care or like Waterworld. (laughs) Tell people to I don't like Waterworld. Well, Peyton, I struggled for a long time because there was a lot of stuff I really didn't want to throw under the bus. I was (laughs) feeling too. And I just... My experience last year, Paul and I went and did a behind-the-scenes tour. Again, it was awesome. It was so awesome. It made me more stoked. Then I went to Waterworld. It sucked. I spent the whole day waiting in line. Like, I, like, rode maybe three rides. It sucked. And what sucks even more is people pay extra to cut. (gasps) It's like their special pass or whatever, which is, like, not me being bitter, but, like, why am I waiting two hours to ride Journey to the Center of the Earth? Like, it's not worth it. So I just, I found it, I just, it it bothered me since last year. And I was like, I'm probably never going to go to Waterworld again until my son is like, please take me to Waterworld. And <laughs> yeah. then I will go and I will sit all day and read a book while he waits in line. He'll be that mom. <laughs> I will. I will. It bums me out to say it, yeah. to be honest with you, but it's not worth the money. It, there's lines for the bathroom. There's lines to get a drink. There's lines for food. There's li- I mean, and it's not the normal line. It's like it felt it, it was just like this is this is ridiculous. This is not worth it. So, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. Waterworld. I love you. But I already had a bias. You're... I've never really liked Waterworld. <laughs> they need so to, they need to do like tickets or something so they don't have too many people in there. I feel like COVID taught they everyone that. Do, I thought they need to do some kind of line management yeah. system if they want to make it. They need to it, talk but... to that guy at um, Casa Bonita. The Casa Bonita line. Yeah, guy. He, the, the, he's studied the science of lines for many years. So I'm sorry, Waterworld. I love you, but I won't be going to you anytime soon. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade, hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's Colorado Wine. 
Travel.com. Let's move on to tourist treats. Let's talk about the things in the state that we really love, that we think are worth the value and get us excited to do something we really look forward to doing in the summer or, I don't know, have already done it or ready to do it. Uh, Olivia, do you want to start? Yes. So (laughs) mine is um, a little place in Morrison, none other than Tiny Town. Oh. What's Tiny Town? I don't know this. What? Wow. Paul? Paul. Tell me about Tiny Town. God, Paul. Um, Tiny Town. I'm out. Tiny Town is this little miniature town. And it's really tiny. And it's tiny and cool. <laughs> and it has a little train that goes through it. I know, trains, right? But I don't know. There's just something, there's just something about it. So, like, when I was a kid and I grew up in Kansas City, there was this little park I used to go to that had this miniature town. And so then... Um, when I was reporting in Morrison, I came across Tiny Town and I was like, oh my God, this is like what I did as a kid, but way better because it was like, you know, a literal model of every building. I was like, this is so cool. So Tiny Town is over a hundred years old, which is so cool. Like it is old. I had hmm. no idea. Yes, it is. 20, it is 1915? Yeah. So it's it's opened? it's got a long history. Tiny Town has overcome much adversity. Like I have been reading, you know, they've got their timeline on their website. Um, they have been taken out by many a flood. Oh. Um, <laughs> like, but you know, Tiny Town perseveres. They come back. Um, the guy who was a, he was building it, Lyle Fulkerson. He was killed by a runaway train car on his way to work <gasps> on Tiny Town in 1977. Oh, so, like, no. this this place has had a lot of adversity. So, it's just, it's just insane. But besides looking at these tiny houses, which are really cool, I'm Googling them right now, and riding the train around all these tiny houses, what do you do at Tiny Town? Um, there's picnic tables. Um, I think they have a little concession stand. It's just honestly like a good little place to spend an afternoon, like a fun little stop in Morrison, you know, especially like if you have little kids, I think. Yeah. Because, um, it is cheap. It is cheap. It costs five bucks for adults to get in, four bucks for kids and, um, anyone under two is free. And then if you want to ride the train, it's $4. Um, and babies are free that's like the cheapest it is thing so you probably do in this state it is so cheap and so worth it that's awesome and it is it is right next to i i'm pretty sure the coffee shop changed hands but it used to be next to this coffee shop called tomari's in um in morrison i think it's it's called something else now but go grab a coffee and lunch afterwards and i don't know it's just it's just wholesome cool uh peyton how about you what is your tourist treat Long-time listeners of the podcast won't care. It's not going to be Estes Park. I know. I was like, it better not be Estes Park. It was almost Estes Park. It was almost the Stanley Hotel because that's a tourist treat for sure. But I figured Paul and the rest of our listeners were sick of hearing me (laughs) talk about Estes Park. Um, Close second, though, something that I have talked about on the podcast the Denver Zoo. Oh, okay. 100% a tourist treat. And the more I did research for the Denver Zoo, the more I feel confident and solidified in my decision to get on my zoo soapbox again because they have everything. And especially if you compare them directly to the Denver Aquarium, which ticket prices are cheaper 
to get into the Denver Zoo than it is to get into the huh. aquarium. For wow. adults to get into the zoo, it's $24. For kids, it's only 18 If you're a member, admission is free. That's crazy that the Denver Aquarium is charging more than the zoo for like a fraction of the experience. And the zoo caters to everybody. There's even special adult-only nights. They've got all these food trucks that come in now. If you haven't been to the zoo in a while, they serve alcohol for adults. So it's not like not just a family thing or not just a kid thing. They're also like super um, approachable. They try to be like accessible to everybody. You, um, If you have a snap card, admission is just a dollar. Um, they also have hmm. a lottery and they give out, uh, if you sign up to do the lotteries, I think they do like 10 a year. Um you can sign up and get uh, into free zoo day, which is reserved for just people to go for free on those days. They have sensory friendly facilities and services. Um, they have everything and they're so focused on conservation and education. And it, it's just the Denver Zoo is a great example of what a zoo should be. And if you don't believe me, follow them on Instagram because their Instagram posts are incredible. I love that is my zoo soapbox. That's a great pick, Peyton. It is. It's the I best. <laughs> Just knowing the zoo is cheaper than the aquarium kind of blows my mind. Yeah. Uh, it's like yeah. S- they offer so much more. I made a point of looking up that they're like ADA accessible, like across the entire zoo. They have these cool apps. They have, um, it's just the best, you guys. I love it. I love yeah. that. I love that pick. It's like an obvious one, but it's not really like if you don't think about all the benefits of it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Paul, what about you? What's your tourist treat? All right. Mine is something of a triple threat. Uh, it's the Buffalo Bill Museum and Grave. Um, so I was thinking about history with the Manitou Cliff Dwellings, and I thought, you know, what's a good version of that? The Buffalo Bill Museum is phenomenal. It's owned by the city of Denver. It's part of our mountain park system. Um, If you don't know Buffalo Bill, I mean, I think it's a pretty common story. A lot of people probably will, but he's this celebrity of the Wild West back when the Wild West was just a set of ideas and narratives about, you know, the frontier and Buffalo. And so he was just one of those guys, but he was a real person. And this museum tells his life story and it is just chock full of incredible artifacts, costumes from his Wild West show. Like this guy was, he was a larger than life personality and this museum captures all of that. So it's a place that's, it's, it's a great place to go and and think about, you know, what it means to be living in the West, but also like the stories that we've told ourselves for a hundred years about, about this place. The other two threats, the gift shop, pretty darn good, (laughs) pretty fun gift shop in the spirit of Buffalo Bill, lots of interesting stuff to look at. Uh, They have a restaurant there so you can make a, a day out of it. And uh, it's on top of Lookout Mountain, and it offers a beautiful vista, including the whole Denver skyline. You can see a lot of the front range. It's just one of those places up in the foothills where, um, I mean, especially if you've biked up to the top of Lookout Mountain, like I know some people do, it's it's really a great treat. I don't think I've ever been there. Yeah, I was going to say, I always, I'm glad you brought this one, Paul, because I don't know anything about that place, and I pass the the exit for it all the time, and I've always kind of wondered... What exactly is this? This is the one in like Golden, right? Yeah, just outside Golden on top of Lookout yeah. Mountain. I've 30 minutes from downtown. You know, I I haven't I can't say I've been there, but I I have heard this referred to as a tourist trap. Interesting. I mean, I could see how other people would have a different opinion about it. But it's part of our park system, right? Which I think is 
awesome. Which which is why it's cheap. Like, and that's right, the other thing. Yeah. So it's it's only five dollars for adults. It's one dollar for kids between six and seventeen years oh my old. God. So I love even eighties prices. You know, you're not going to be shelling out for for too much stuff unless you go crazy in the gift shop. Look how Mountain is dope too. That's where I did my engagement photos. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh my it's gosh, so cool. that's so cute. I used to go up there all the time as a high schooler. We oh. didn't have anything to do, so we would just drive to Lookout Mountain. Has shenanigans up there. Oh my god, I love it. Well, I'm glad you brought that one, Paul. Yeah, Good for one sure. for the mix. Briere, I think you're next. I am. Take us home. So, um. Something I realized recently is um, as a person that doesn't like skiing or snow or being cold, my favorite time to go to the mountains is the summertime. And uh, there's a lot of ski towns that have cool stuff going on in the summer. And um, so my pick is uh, Winter Park and they have this summer fun unlimited activity pass. And it includes a gondola ride, so you can go 10,000 feet up and see the Continental Divide. You can walk around when you're up there. It's an incredible view. Uh, they have the Alpine Slide, which if you guys have not been on an Alpine Slide, it's like a it's like a sled in a luge track, and you sit up, and it's got like a handle, a brake handle is how you control it. It's pretty um, it's, terrifying. Oh, I think they're so fun. <laughs> and I learned I can take my two-year-old. So um, they have a putting green, ropes course, and a climbing wall. And... Um, it's 11 bucks for kids under four. It's 54 bucks for four to 11 year olds and 59 for um, kids, kids in a, or everybody over 11, I think. Um, and that's if you purchase your tickets two days in advance online. But for an all day excursion, I think in the mountains, that seems like a pretty good deal to me, considering water worlds around that same price to me. And you actually get to be in the mountains and go to the, yeah, like, I feel see like the that's a good divide. Price. And like, is everything, pretty much included in that price yeah all those things are okay then yeah so, that's not bad but like i looked at the ropes course it they have ones for little little kids like toddlers can Aww. do it so i was like oh my gosh this will be awesome for my kid um and winter park's like 90 ish minutes drive away so you can do that in one day you don't have to stay overnight i recommend it because it's nice to wake up in the mountains but um i don't know i just wanted to give a shout out to mountain ski towns during the summer they have mm -hmm. plenty of things to do you don't have to be a hiker you don't have to be a person that likes to do mountain biking however both of those things are things you can do in winter park as well so um winter park is my is my summer tourist treat Love it. I love that. That's a great call. I think it's a relatively recent trend that these um, these yeah. ski resorts are offering more summer activities, and it's terrific because they're beautiful places. Oh, they're be it's like uh, Copper Mountain has one. Yeah, Copper does. Breckenridge does. Frisco has a bunch of stuff you can do very similarly. They've got the Dillon Reservoir right there as well. If you're a water person, so if you have kids that have a lot of energy, this is an awesome way to like take them to the mountain for a mountain day. Let them go crazy, and then they sleep on the way home. It's perfect. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Me too, if I'm not driving. Thanks, you guys, for bringing your your recommendations and your opinions. See you out there, Bree. Happy summer. That's it for our summer entertainment guide on the podcast. But we've got plenty more summary tips and recommendations in our newsletter, Hey Denver. All you've got to do to subscribe is text Denver to 66866. But we want to hear from you, too. Are there killer tourist attractions that we missed? Are there more tourist traps that people should be warned about? Text or leave us a voicemail at the Tourist Trap hotline at 720-500-5418. 
Again, that number is 720-500-5418. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell the mayor of Tiny Town about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you later. Get ready for 2023 local podcaster gets carried away pretending to be Godzilla. (laughs) (laughs) No. Paul, I hope that's not I hope that's not how you mark your first visit to Tiny Town. You just have to go enjoy the whimsy.